Big Mike and Hayes Entertainment here. Today's episode, we got an absolute beauty, Jordan Tutu. If you like what we're doing, hit the subscribe button. Hey everyone, it's Jordan Tutu here. I'm very grateful to be on I Only Touch Greatness podcast. This is I Only Touch Greatness podcast with Ryan Hayes and Big Mike. We are going live. This way? Do you want it this way or this way? Well, that's good. Hey, that's better. There we go. Perfect. Thank you. Sorry, it's running on Indian time here. I'm just putting the little ones to bed. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. We appreciate you coming on today, man. No problem. No problem. We're going to have to... We're gonna uh, ask how, you about how, how you holding up. Good, good, yeah. Everything's uh, good at our end here. Okay. Yeah. Where are you guys located? Coquitlam. Oh fuck, that's where my wife's from. Yeah, I know. She worked at the Cactus Club with my sister. Okay, cool. Yeah. The uh, yeah, did you meet her at the Cactus Club? I don't know. Oh, oh, Jen, my wife. Oh, Jen. yeah, Jen. No, I, I met her back in uh, my junior days. Oh. Um, she, her family lived out in Brandon. Oh, okay. So, like, she was born in Burnaby area, and then they moved to Brandon when she was, like, 10 years old for, I don't know, 10, 12 years. And towards the end of my career there, we met. And, yeah, and then we just kind of kept in contact, with, you know, the first five, six years of my career. and. You know, she was still in school and all that, but and then we reconnected after I got out of rehab. So yeah, yeah. all good. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna ask you a bunch of questions about your hockey too. Uh, what made you get into hockey in the first place? Well, growing up in Nunavut, right? Ten months of the year, it's it's winter, so we have a lot of ice. Um, and I guess my my father was a hockey player himself, so uh, just kind of. He coached us uh, through our junior, uh, you know, minor hockey days. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, the big sport up there. So everyone kind of played hockey. And uh, fortunately enough, uh, my dad ran the arena. So we were at the rink quite a bit uh, growing up as kids. And if we weren't at the rink, we were outside on the ponds playing hockey. Yeah, that's a lucky thing. You had an outdoor rink. We obviously never had that here. Too much rain there. Too much rain. That's right. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, growing up in Nunavut, too, what were some of your other hobbies? Well, uh, I, one of the biggest ones up, up there, you know, we do a lot of hunting and fishing. Uh, my father was born out on the land, so I, I grew up out on the land. Uh, you know, every weekend we had, we were either camping, hunting, fishing, uh, the outdoorsy stuff and uh, looking back um, probably one of the the best times of my life uh, being out on the land with my father because uh, the, the, the guy is a man of few words he you learned by watching him uh, and and that's kind of how I grew up uh, I'm not a guy to open up a textbook and read the manual uh, and, and learn that way I, I watch and learn and uh, a lot of Inuit a lot of indigenous people that's how we learn right by watching people uh, 
some of the best mechanics, some of the best tradesmen out there uh, learned by watching. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, not fearing failure or, you know, that's, that's how we learn, right? When you fail, when you make a mistake, uh, that's part of life. That's part of maturing as a person. And, uh, you know, we can write tests all we want. It's, uh, you know, putting your, your work with your hands and, and, and learning from veteran, uh, people, right? Like, uh, and accepting and watching them teach you is, uh, you know, something that I, I enjoy, uh, still to this day. I, I'm, I'm one who likes to learn by just doing it. And if I fail at whatever, um, test is put in front of me, uh, you keep trying, keep, keep, keep on keeping on. Did you play any other sports growing up? I sure did. Um, like I said, hockey, once hockey was done, uh, we hung up the skates, put our bag in the, in the shed, and uh, we played, you know, soccer, baseball, uh, volleyball. A lot of our sports are, were indoors. Uh, we, we don't have gravel or pavements uh, for roads. So, you know, rollerblading, uh, it was hard to play basketball on gravel, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, or soccer. You, you wouldn't want to slide on gravel. But, um, yeah, uh, soccer, baseball, volleyball. Um, I'm big into uh, lacrosse. Did you guys have lacrosse up there? No, you know what? That's, that's one sport that didn't really uh, make it up there. Um, nowadays, it's, it's really big. Up in Nunavut. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever watched the movie The Grizzlies. Yes, actually I did. Yeah, yeah. so that, I think that whole, uh, the movie brought more awareness to the north. You know, obviously it's, it's cost effective. Um, and all, pretty much all you need is a stick and a ball, right? That's right. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it was a, a, a great feature to show people how uh you know people can come together and and work as one uh and in in the far north you have a lot of young uh inuit kids who who struggle at home the home life and when they feel like they're a part of a team it it really brings out the best of them and you know you feel like you're a part of something a part of a family you know i grew up uh, in a household where there was a lot of tension, uh, you know, substance abuse, uh, dysfunctional. Um, and hockey was my outlet. Uh, you look at a lot of these young Indigenous kids who have great talent um, because a lot of us, a lot of them can relate to my story. I didn't want to be at home. Uh, I'd much rather be outside and, and playing sports. And, and you see these young kids really um, loving their sport because, you know, that's all they want is to be a part of a team. So what are some great things about growing up in Nunavut? Well, for me, one of the greatest things of growing up in Nunavut is the freedom of being a kid. 
uh, <laughs> the freedom of being outdoors. Um, you know, I was uh, very fortunate to to live in a community where everyone knew everyone. I was able to uh, walk the, the town wherever I wanted. Uh, no one was fearful of, uh, you know, a, a kid running away or being taken away. Um, so, you know, for me, the, the freedom of being a kid, right? That's probably one of the greatest things about living in the North. And, and the culture, the traditions that our people bring uh, are, are something that no one could ever take away from, from me personally, from every individual that grows up in the North. That's actually true. I heard, I interviewed Theo Fleury a couple weeks ago, and he was telling me that he spent a lot of time since being sober with the Indigenous people, and he's really learning, and it's really bringing him down to, like, down to humble. Yes, absolutely. That's one thing where, you know, our people, the Indigenous communities, uh, when, when you come on their land, uh, you just feel safe, you feel secure, you feel at peace. Um, I, I look at my father, uh, my, my dad, Barney, when we're out on the land, this is where he feels most comfortable, uh, you know, content in his own skin because you know, that's, that's his life. And I feel that, you know, me playing in the NHL and, and traveling the world, uh, I've been all over the place. Every time I get home, it brings me back down to earth. It makes me feel humbled, uh, grateful. Uh, I don't ever take things for granted uh, when, we're, when we're out on the land because the simple things matter. You know, all the, the materialistic things, the cars, uh, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter when you're out on the land, you know, everyone is treated equally. Um, and that's where throughout my, my whole NHL career, every time I got home, I was able to put my, my cell phone down and just live in the moment out there. And it just, it, it's, it, it's hard to explain, but it just, it makes you feel humbled and, and grateful for everything that you have. What would you say were some negatives then of growing up there? Doesn't sound like there's many. Well, hey, there, <laughs> there's a pros and cons to everywhere where you live. And, uh, you know, I think for me now looking back, um, you know, there's a lot of substance abuse up there. Uh, and, and I mean, it's everywhere. Right. And, uh, you know, as, as a young kid, you don't quite understand, you know, the, the dysfunction that is within the household. Um, you know, I just figured that's how everyone else lives. Right. And, and when I was writing my book and, and going through, uh, scenarios and, and, uh, experiences that I had, um, and when my book came out, a lot of my fr childhood friends, uh, you know, were telling me, wow, I, I felt like I was reading my life story, right? Because you, you look at a lot of these small communities, kids roaming the streets all night long, uh, till the wee hours of the night, because quite frankly, we didn't want to be home. 
right? When our parents, uh, you know, were using, um, and I think that's one of the biggest negatives. Um, God, it's, it's kind of, I can't really think of anything else. Right. But obviously the isolation, the isolation of, uh, being in a small community, you know, there's, you can only get in and out by flying. And, uh, sometimes you, you kind of live in a bubble. And when I left home, I didn't know how much more was out there. Right. Being 14 years old, because I grew up in a, in a community where, you know, everyone was pretty tight knit. Uh, you, you just basically are in survival mode every day up there, right? Whether, you know, hunting for food, uh, shelter, all those little, all those things, right? Um, but as far as that bubble, I think I really, my eyes opened up when I left home, right? Do you, how often do you go back? Well, now in retirement, I try to get back, you know, as much as I could, but, uh, um, Obviously, with COVID happening, I, I, I haven't got up there this, uh, this spring or summer. So looking forward to when all this, the travel bans uh, are lifted and, and to get up there and get out on the land and just to kind of forget about life, right, when you're out there. Because <laughs> you're up in Kelowna now, right? Yes. Yeah, we're in Kelowna here. It's uh, 37 degrees. My, yeah. my, blood's, my blood's a lot. Uh, thinner now than it it was before um, so when I go home uh, you know the weather you know it gets to different. me a little bit more oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> uh, in your career who did you try to mirror your game after or try to play like when you were looked up, or who, who did you look up to well for me it was uh, a guy by the name of Wendell Clark Okay. Wendell Clark, you know, I, I'm sure you guys watched him too. Oh, yeah. Uh, wasn't the biggest guy out there, but he, he had a, the biggest heart. Uh, he cared for his teammates, played hard, and that's that's kind of who I grew up watching. You know, up in Nunavut, back in my childhood days, we only had uh, a couple, couple channels, and CBC <laughs> was one of them. So we got all the Toronto Maple Leaf games, and uh, – yeah, Wendell Clark, and uh, fortunately, I was able to uh, to meet him uh, throughout my career. And and actually, his brother, Kerry Clark, coached my my late brother Terrence in in junior. So, oh really? Got to, uh, got to hang out world. with him. Yeah, totally. And uh, any pregame meals or rituals? Uh, to be honest, I wasn't. Uh, superstitious person um pre-game meals you know your your plate of pasta with chicken salad uh always i i enjoyed my cranberry and and orange juice mixed together half and half um but as far as uh you know when i got to the rink it was you know i didn't I, i wasn't superstitious at all I like to mess around with a lot of the guys that were superstitious, though. So, uh, but no, nothing really. Just, just get up, strap, lace them up, and let's go. Yeah. What was some of the nicknames that you had over the years? Oh wow. Well, one 
Toots. Everyone uh, refers to me as Toots, but uh, you know, I've been chief, uh, you know, basically it. Yeah. How was it playing in Brandon? Brandon, the Wheat City. Well, I think that's where my my hockey career really started to take off. And um, gentleman, uh, Mr. Kelly McCrimmon, who's the Vegas Golden Knights general manager now, uh, was my GM in Brandon. And wow, we uh, we sure had our battles, but. You know, I think in my fourth year of playing there, I, it clicked with me that Mr. M Mr. McCrimmon cared about Jordan Tutu, the person, not the hockey player. And he was the one guy that believed in me. Uh, he was the one guy that, uh, you know, gave me a chance to, to be the player that I am. Um, and, and, you know, still to this day, we keep in contact and, uh, every time I walk into his office, I have a chuckle because in the past, when I was called into his office, I knew I was getting in shit <laughs> and now uh, the table has turned a little bit. So <laughs> God, awesome. we kind of have a chuckle every now and then. Awesome. And obviously you were lucky enough to wear the Maple Leaf and represent Canada at the world juniors. Uh, where you were a fan favorite. What was oh, that like? Oh, yeah, I loved it. I think that's that's the tournament where uh, my name became internationally known, I guess you would say. And uh, I guess the, the hockey world um, knew who I was during that tournament. Uh, honestly, it was the highlight of my, my hockey career, uh, representing Team Canada, uh, in Halifax, in Canada, was, God, it's, I, I can't even put into words how amazing it was, you know. Um, highlight of my career, for sure. Another big accomplishment of yours, obviously, uh, being drafted 98th overall in 2001 to the Predators. Take me back to that day. Wow, I've been punching the head uh, one too many times. <laughs> my memory is uh, is a little faded, but... I, I remember we were in Brandon. Uh, I had all my family around um, in, in one of the hotel conference rooms and I get a call from my, my agent and he was just like, yeah, you're, you're drafted by the, the Nashville Predators. And I was just like, wow. You know, a, a kid coming from Nunavut who, I mean, Every, every kid's dream is to play in the National Hockey League. And, and, and just to be drafted is one thing. Uh, but it's even harder to, to make it on the roster, right? A lot of kids who get drafted think they're going to be playing in the NHL. Well, that's just the first step. And uh, that day was uh, – I mean, I – I was proud of all the work that I, I put in, and, and fortunately enough, my brother was still around uh, to, to be there with me and, and to guide me. And, uh, you know, he, he basically, you know, made me the person I am today with, uh, with all his teachings and his uh, just being a mentor. He was my hero, and, you know, I owe my whole career to, uh, to my brother. Did you know Nashville was going to be drafting you, or was it a caught-off surprise? 
honestly, I didn't even know. I was just waiting, waiting for the call. Um, I, I got interviewed by, I don't know, probably a dozen teams back then. Um, but I, I didn't know, you know, I, I was, it didn't matter where I was going or if I was going, I, I just knew that, uh, you know, if I did get drafted, I was going to do everything in my power to, uh, to one day crack the lineup. What would you say is your favorite sports movie? I mean, let's be honest. We all know the movie Slapshot, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we get yeah. that a lot. <laughs> I, I mean, I, riding the bus with, uh, with the Wheat Kings, I think we watched that movie probably every third or, or fourth road trip. So <laughs> it, was, it was a favorite uh, amongst all the guys. But, yeah, Slapshot for sure. What was your favorite road barn in your career? The old crush can in Moose Jaw. Yeah, okay. so it, it was it was a pretty pretty small arena. Um, the boards were like cement walls, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just I loved playing in that barn. It was cold. It kind of felt like I was back home in Nunavut. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember like the 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 floor the the hard. Uh, rubber, you know, like, uh, you know, nowadays it's that, that soft rubber on yeah, the yeah, yeah. floors. Like back then it was a hard rubber, rubber or whatever it was, plastic. But I, I remember the fans constantly throwing uh, sand on the ground, you know, because we had to walk all the way down the hall to get on the ice. And <laughs> you just hear our, our blades just crack, you know, stepping oh, yeah. on the rocks and sand and shit. It was, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, the crush can. Okay, that's one of my go-to secret moves for my beer league hockey. I got a little sand, and I walked through the other team's bench, dropping sand. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Veteran move, buddy. Veteran hey, move. That's what happens. That's why I should be captain. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Good leader, eh? Yeah, definitely. Quiet leader. A quiet leader, yeah, leader yeah. is the best leaders. I was, I, was, I was telling one story today while we were on this beer league topic, how I t took a penalty – Ref, and it was an uncalled penalty. I got stuck in the penalty box, and I, I knew the ref's drinks were in there, and I unscrewed the lid. So they went to, they went to go drink it, and it spilled all over them. Just a wily veteran you are. I yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like to play dirty. I'm only, like, five feet tall, and I like to hit and body check and slash and spear, do everything dirty hey, I can. As long as you have a couple, uh, couple guys on your side to look after you. That's how I played my whole career. <laughs> That's why we call him Big Mike. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. Uh, no, when, when I was playing in Nashville, I mean, Mr. Poyle, you know, I think he'd always have two heavyweights in the lineup with me every night because he yeah. knew that Toots is going to do something stupid. But as long as I had, you know, uh, the, the heavyweights on my line, I knew I was looked after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's usually how it goes. I need the biggest ones around. <laughs> uh, first Anuk player and first player from Nunavut to dress in NHL. Uh, that's massive for the Indigenous community. Uh, played your first game against the Mighty Ducks on opening night. What were the emotions or feelings going into that game? Well, I remember going for my pregame skate and – uh, Barry Trotz, after our pregame pre skate, said, Toots, you played this game your whole life. Treat this game as if it was just another game. 
And when I went home and, you know, had my pregame meal, I, you know, usually I take a two hour nap. I, I, I was tossing and turning the whole afternoon. Right. Cause I was just like, Holy cow. Like, is this really happening? And I didn't sleep one minute that whole afternoon. And, and so on my way to the rink, my dad was, was with me in the car and he said, son, just go out there and skate like the wind skate. Like you're on the Hudson Bay. And, you know, I remember sitting there on the bench and all I could think about is my brother who has, you know, got, gotten me to where I am mentally, you know, being mentally tough and being able to overcome obstacles. Uh, I remember when I, when Trotsy gave me a tap on the back, uh, you know, to, uh, that I'm up as I was jumping the, uh, the boards to step on the ice, all I could think about is my brother and, and looking up and, and seeing the biggest grin on his face and, and saying, you made it bro. Keep her going. Um, yeah, my first shift, man, I was in the slot. Uh, you know, my line mate passed me the, you know, I was wide open and I, it was like the puck was coming to me in slow motion and <laughs> right right as i was you know going to tee it up it must have hit a, a rut in the ice and it bounced right over my stick and i was just like oh god here we go this is <laughs> this is how it's going to be you know yeah i'm, I'm going to get all the bad breaks uh, the hockey gods aren't going to be on my side and all that but yeah um that's you know what i was thinking yeah your uh first assist and point came on a dan ham goal a good canuck guy yeah yeah how was that feeling and actually hammer assisted on my first goal too so oh, okay yeah so and you know what we were roommates we were both rookies uh we were roommates on the road and looking back uh you know, the guy's still playing. He's a machine. Uh, good on him. Um, yeah. Uh, you still have those pucks? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Actually, my first goal against the Atlanta Thrashers, um, back in 2011 or 2012, um, the, the arena got flooded in Nashville. And... Like I, I never had my, my first puck, my first goal puck. Like, I don't know. I just, it, it didn't dawn on me that I didn't have it. But I remember when I was with New Jersey, uh, Mr. Poyle called me into his office when we were playing the, the Predators. And he said, Toots, uh, I know you remember we had a big flood here. We had to clean up everything. And the staff found your puck, your first NHL goal puck. And he presented it to me and I was like, wow, this is awesome. So yeah. I, I, uh, 10 years later, I got my, my first goal puck. What would you say your favorite piece of memorabilia is then? Uh, I would have to say that, you know, my, my first game sheet, um, you know, being on the roster, um, 
I wasn't in the goal column or assist column my first game, but I was in the penalty box. So uh, that's probably one of my favorite uh, memorabilia throughout my uh, NHL career days. The first score sheet or game sheet that they would call. Yeah, that's a pretty good memorabilia. I never thought about keeping the game sheet. Yeah, yeah I've, I've got a few of them. My first goal, my first game. Um, it's quite funny because when I left Nashville, I signed with, De- uh, with Detroit. And my first, game, my first goal with the Red Wings was in Nashville right. against the Predators. And then when I left Detroit to go play in New Jersey – my first goal as a devil was in Detroit. <laughs> and then I go play in Chicago. My first goal as a Black Hawk was in Nashville. Wow. So everything just kind of came full came in a circle. It was yeah. meant to be. It was pretty, pretty cool. You had two Gordie Howe hat tricks. Did I? Yeah, I thought yeah. I had more, but obviously I didn't. My, my, <laughs> my memory isn't the greatest, but yeah. I mean, not a lot of people can say they have a Gordie Howe hat trick in the show. That's yeah. right. We always loved your style of play, in your face, digging in the corners, laying beauty hits, sticking up for teammates, and dropping in the mitts when need be. Uh, who would you say, like, the toughest guy you fought or what fight sticks out to you the most? Oh, boy. Uh I've been in my fair share of battles. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the name uh, Mike Danton. Yep. Uh, he was with the St. Louis Blues, and, and back, you know, when he was going through all his uh, personal issues, uh, every time we played St. Louis, um, you know, I'd be in the dressing room, like, yeah, I got to square off with this this crazy guy. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, like – you know, so the, the jitters are going. Uh, I think more more of the mental side of things. Uh, physically, I wasn't afraid to drop it with anyone. It was just more the mental game that, uh, you know, fighters uh, play within their own minds, right? Um, I can guarantee you this. Uh, a lot of fighters don't enjoy doing what, they, what they're doing. But that being said... Um, you know, every every guy has a role to play on a team, and and whatever role is in front of you, you accept it, and and you try to become uh, the best in that role. Um, yeah. You know, I, I grew up always having to fight for a, a roster spot. You know, um, the mental part. Uh, you know, always being told you're too small, you're not good enough, uh, and just by the guidance of my late brother, Terrence, uh, of being able to just take it one step at a time. Um, don't worry about what other people say, prove them wrong. Uh, prove them by your actions, you know, because everyone can talk the talk, but who's willing to walk the walk? That's the difference in a lot of professional athletes, right? You know, you you have a lot of people say, oh, I could have, I should have, I would have. That's all talk to me. (laughs) Hey, you want to talk to talk? Let's walk the walk, buddy. You know, that's right. right. You got to you got to put yourself through the meat grinders a few times in order to establish yourself. Yeah, that's for sure. Do you remember your Matt Bradley fight? He was you're like half his size and you put him on his ass. 
I sure do. Um, we're, it was in Nashville. I remember, I can't remember if it was Brian McGratton or Wade Belak who fought Brashear first. Um, but I remember a few shifts before that, I hammered Donald Brashear in the corner. And I got up and I never looked back. I could feel him <laughs> hacking the back of my legs. And I was just, nope, no siree. And <laughs> I can't remember it was uh, the, the late Wade Belak or Brian McGrath who took him on. And then, of course, the next shift, uh, I looked over at Bradley. Said, yep, let's go, buddy. And, uh, yeah, the rest is history. I think he came out uh, a pretty bloody mess after that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. The video is pretty good. We're going to drop that in right there <laughs> as, we, as we have this interview. Yeah. The uh, What about the Brad Malone one punch? Remember that one? Brad Malone. Oh, yeah. uh, Carolina. Carolina, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. yes. Uh, actually, that's uh, it was our father's trip. Uh, oh, really? That week, that week. So my father-in-law, my my wife's father, my dad couldn't make that trip. I think there was a, like a 10-day storm up in Nunavut. He couldn't get out. So uh, I invited my father-in-law, and it's the first time he's ever experienced, you know, the NHL life on the road and, and whatnot. And, um, yeah, uh, he didn't realize that I was – you know, that <laughs> aggressive on the ice until he's seen it with his own eyes, right? I, but, yeah, I mean, not a lot of players knew I could uh, throw with my left, too. So, caught a lot of players off guard. Uh, that was definitely it. You switched hands on that one, and you caught him with the left. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's a couple good tilts you had. Sean Avery one was a good one. You had a couple with Dorsett. Yeah, like I said – a lot of guys only look at the, their, their strengths of, of the fighters, which, which is, you know, most guys are righties, right? Yeah. And every time, every time I go up against a guy, I knew I had him beat by just looking him in the eye. And, he, you know, in there, I could tell by their eyes that they're like, oh, shit, like, <laughs> what's Toots going to do? Is he going to throw a left? Is he going to throw a right? And, um, but, yeah, like a lot of it is, you know, mentally mental right uh, I, I tell myself before every fight in my own mind hey whatever happens I'm, I'm I'm going in this to win it whether I want it or not it gave me the upper hand mentally to mm -hmm. you know give myself a chance and I, I could tell in a lot of guys eyes that they when they started second guessing themselves I had them beat mentally uh, you still hold the record, I believe, for in Nashville with uh, 725 penalty minutes in 486 games. And, I mean, I have loved your style of play, the way you played, being the smaller guy as well. Your middle name means thunder, correct? Yes, it does. Kudluk means thunder in, in our native tongue. And that's why you're out there banging and crashing and making all this noise on the ice. Causing havoc out there. That's that's what us little pests do, right? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That's like my favorite player growing up was always Steel Flurry. So to get to inter interview him a couple weeks ago really meant a lot. And we play yeah. the same way, like the bang and crash. And yeah, you know what? That part of you know, for a lot of smaller guys, you know, we 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 gotta prove, you know, that we belong. And 
you know, I, I always knew I had uh, uh, the scoring touch, um, but in order for me to have a career in the NHL, I had to accept the role of being a, a fourth line grinder. Um, you know, I knew I could do that too. Uh, you know, you, you see a lot of smaller guys who don't make it, but have the talent to make it because they don't want to accept a different role that they're used to. Right. A lot of, a lot of young kids coming up now, you know, whether they're goal scorers and, you know, they, they come to a, a professional team and now they're putting on, put on the penalty kill to kill penalties or to be grinders. And they can't handle that. Right. Because like I said, the, the mental game messes up a lot of kids. Did you ever take any boxing or fighting lessons? No, I practice just by doing it. Yeah. Okay. Just kicking ass with both hands. Yeah. Just, yeah. just give her. Just yeah. giving her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was your say? Go to music. Uh, go to music. Metallica, ACDC, uh, Tragically Hip, um, and then obviously living in Nashville for for nine years. Country music. Yeah. Good choice. Well, so what will, we, what will we find in your playlist nowadays? Nowadays? I mean, a, lot of ra- a lot of randoms. A lot of one-hit wonders. Uh, <laughs> a couple baby sharks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with the little ones now, yeah, you know, yeah. I got a lot of, a lot of the, the, the kid tunes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm pretty easygoing. I, whatever's on, uh, to be honest, not a big fan of uh, rap or you know stuff like that yeah Um, but yeah i guess the the old school country the old school rock rock and roll nice what made you retire in 2018 what made me retire well you know when you when you prepare and when you accept that uh things don't last forever uh you know being 20 years old you think you're going to play hockey for the rest of your your life uh it's just that's not how things roll you know for me uh i think the last five years of my career i i slowly started preparing um for uh for life after hockey um but i i always knew what my role was and and obviously the game is evolving and changing uh, uh i knew i was getting towards the end of my career um and, and obviously you know 13 years is a pretty good run um, i physically i i still felt good but uh, mentally i think i was um kind of checked out uh i knew that family was more important than the game uh my wife jennifer uh we had she had given birth to our first daughter sienna and you know i i i want to be a part of their their childhood i want to be a, a, a every every day as a parent and uh you know i was able to walk away from the game on my own terms and you know, it's the best decision that I've ever made. You know, we have two two little ones, Sienna and Avery. They're four and two, and I get to watch them grow every day. Awesome. Do you still keep in touch with many players from the league? I know a lot of them live in Vernon, Vernon, Kelowna, all up up there in Lake Okanagan. 
Yeah. Yeah. A lot of guys live around here. Absolutely. We, uh, I keep in contact with quite a few guys. Um, uh, obviously living in the Okanagan here, it's, uh, one of the, the hot spots for, you know, summer, um, living for a lot of hockey players. So get to see all the guys, uh, you know, whether it's golfing or out on the water, but yeah, no, it's. Do you golf uh, predator? Do you golf predator ridge much? Uh, I'll get out there a few times. I I live in Kelowna here, so oh, we I got two golf courses in my backyard here. So oh, nice! Har Har Harvest Golf Course and Gallagher's. So okay, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we we're golfing ever. Actually, I just golf with uh, Wade Redden and uh, Rene Bork. Uh, okay. Yesterday, yesterday we were golfing in 37 degree. Oh, yeah. Summer heat. Um, yeah. But yeah, a lot of guys around here still. The book, uh, All the Way, My Life on Ice. Uh, how did that all come together? So I think in 2013, I was approached by Penguin Random House, a publishing company. Um, and they were they asked if I was interested in sharing my life story with the help of uh, Stephen Brunt. Uh, at that point in my career, uh, I had been in sobriety for three years. Uh, it got to the point where I knew in order for me to to tell my story and to heal as a person and to you know get weight lifted off my shoulders. I need to tell my story and, and just being brutally honest, uh, you know, Mr. Stephen Brunt would ask the same question over and over and over again. And, and finally got to the point where two years into writing the book, uh, I just said, you know what, I'm going to let it all out because my whole life, I was always guarded. I would, you know, kind of mass, uh, the, the pain that was deep down inside and, uh, you know, put out this superficial, uh, I, I'm living my best life, uh, playing in the NHL, uh, and, and all that, that comes with it. But deep down inside, I was hurting and it, you know, got to the point where I became comfortable and content in my own skin where I was like, you know what? here it is. I'm going to tell my story. And it was a healing process for me. It was about a three year, three year process. And I think in 2015, 2016, when my book came out, um, yeah, I mean, it got some great, great reviews and, and yeah, just, it just about sharing my story because I know a lot of people, uh, can relate. And, and like I say, we, Every person fights a fight no one knows about until we open up uh, and communicate and talk about our feelings, uh, things will change. Yeah, we just had Brent Sopel on uh, last week and him, same thing. And uh, he actually just dropped his documentary today, um, a little 30 minute video and stuff. So talking about his stuff and, you know, we didn't know that kind of stuff until we got to talk to him and we learned about him and, that, we like that kind of stuff. Yeah, and Theo too. Theo's done books and stuff and had the movie. Yeah, it's, he had you know, a story. It, it, it amazed me when my book came out. Not only uh, players on the opposing team would say, hey, I, I know 
I know you're, you know, I can relate to your story. Referees were coming up to me, coaches, uh, you know, saying, hey, thank you for sharing your story. I can relate. And it's like, wow, like the, the doors just open and, and people, um, you know, gaining respect from opposing team players uh, in sharing my story, you know, they, they can relate. And, you know, that's, that was, uh, that's what it's all about, right? You know, just opening up and sharing that, like I said, we all have a story, uh, every one of us. Uh, it's, it's when you become comfortable and content in your own skin that you're able to, to share your story. So Nashville did Jordan Tutu night February 2nd, 2019. What were your feelings on that? Did they make you a bobblehead? Uh, no, they didn't make me a bobblehead, oh. which <laughs> I'm totally fine by because yeah. I already got one from the Brandon Weekings. Uh, I think when the uh, bobbleheads first came out, okay. uh, the Weekings uh, – chose me to make one but didn't really quite look like me but close enough yeah um but yeah no i think you know mr poyle was very gracious enough to understand that uh you know what it meant for me to play eight years in nashville and to be a part of uh what they have now the fan base the following i was part of that that growing uh fan base and you know it just for me it it came full circle um on my birthday uh my wife my daughter my both both my daughters uh, my family uh and and just to be able to walk out on the ice one last time and say thank you to the fans and the city of nashville for allowing me to grow as a human being there and, uh, and to, you know, play probably the best and the worst times of my career. You probably were the first, uh, big fan favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not one to pump my own tires, but I'll do it. <laughs> like, uh, you know, every, everywhere I went, you know, people knew who I was. Um, but that being said, I did a lot of charity work in the city, yeah. and uh, I enjoyed it. It was uh, it was uh, me being able to say thank you to the fans and to give back to them by by being around them. Are you still running your uh, team two two hockey camps? No, I don't. Um, I I gave that up a number of years ago. Okay, um, you know, for me, it's just. My summers were very short, one while I was playing. Um, you, you know, family's more important. Of course. And right, right now I'm, uh, like I said, I'm able to be at home with my family and, uh, and just watch them grow. What do you think of Seattle getting a team and being named the Kraken today? Quite surprised about the name. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's great for the western part of North America to have. I mean, Seattle's a great city. Yeah, I'm sure. Is. I'm sure you, you're you're a Seahawks fan. I can oh, tell. Yeah, yeah um, I am big time. Yeah, so great for the city. Great for the Western Conference, and uh, 
looking forward to uh, I think they're starting in a couple next year I think right yeah 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 the um, what do you think of the 24 playoff teams format to be honest guys I haven't really followed anything all I can tell you is a lot of the guys that were here and had to leave yeah um, I don't think a lot of them were too too happy about it yeah but you know to watch like I tell a lot of guys I'm 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 happy that I'm retired now because I, I see you know friends of mine having to leave their families and their kids and it's just like wow it, it kind of breaks my heart you know a lot of the guys kids are young and uh, they don't quite understand about the whole COVID stuff going on but yeah like I said I I mean I'm sure a lot of people are, are waiting to, to watch hockey again, so it should be, <laughs> should be interesting. That's for sure. Hey, Jordan, we just want to thank you so much for coming on today and talking to us, and we really appreciate you taking your time. My pleasure, guys, anytime. Hey, thank you. We'd love to have you on again if we get the chance to. Sounds good. If there's hey, everyone. It's Jordan Tutu here. I'm very grateful to be on I Only Touch Greatness podcast. Thank you. Perfect. Thank, Thank you, Jordan. Thanks, Jordan.